Today's reading is Psalm 139, verses 1 through 6, and 13 through 18. And it can be found on page 576 of the Bible's next to your seats, as well as on the screen. This is God's word. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. The word of the Lord. I invite you to pray with me as we look at this passage. Our gracious God, as we come into this room, we come from different places, and whether we come with lots of doubts, whether we come uh, a friend dragged us along, or whether we come really hurting this morning, sad or grieving, or whether we come full of joy and thankfulness, whatever the case may be, we're all more of a mess than we care to admit. And you scratch underneath the surface, there's stuff we're hiding, there's stuff we don't want to come out to light, there's parts of us that are just uh, really struggling and fragile. And as we come in with that brokenness and mess, what a delight and what an impossible joy to realize that you move towards brokenness and you don't wait for us to achieve our way towards you. You don't wait for us to morally um, please you with our behavior. You come towards us and make a way for us to be in your presence without deserving it. So simultaneously we find ourselves broken and yet loved. How is that possible? And it's only through your son, Jesus. So we, every week we look to you and we look for your, the grace of Jesus to make sense to us and to break its way into the cracks of our fragile lives. Would you do that now this morning? We invite you into this time that your grace would transform us as we listen to your words. Amen. The question of the week last week was, um, was what do you know? There weren't very many answers. Does anyone want to answer that out loud right now? What do you know? What's something you know? Someone said nothing. It's not true. What, what do you know? Hey, it's wide open. You've been wanting your chance to talk, right? Coffee's made of coffee beans. Coffee's made of coffee beans. <laughs> mm-hmm. Good one. I like that. Somebody wrote on the card last week. There was one respondent, and they said, I know... This might be a trick question. 
And I wonder if some of you are in that same mental space right now as I ask out loud, like, what is he going to do with my answer? This passage is about what God knows, and particularly what God knows about us. In this passage of Psalm 139, if you're, if you're in churches long enough, you'll hear it, and you'll hear uh, phrases within it that are amazing. Um, Search me and know me. See if there is any offensive way in me. That's, a, that's, that's spoken of a lot in churches. Um, you created me. Um, how does it go? Where's that part? Yes, there it is. Yeah, you knit me together in uh, my mother's womb. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. This, this uh, passage projects to us the truth that, we, that God knows so much. It's the theological truth of omniscience. God knows what there is to know. He knows it all. We can't even imagine. It blows our minds. The psalmist, David, is having a mind-blowing prayer. He's letting it out. It's too, it's too incredible. It's too amazing. It's too wonderful. This, fact, this amount of knowledge that God has of me. So that's the sort of the theological truth. And then the psalm itself does a journey, a complex journey with that truth. And that's true to our own lives. Isn't your journey kind of complex with God? Right? I, I think I, when I came out of seminary about 13 or 14 years ago, I think I, I, I had a lot less complex sense of how God works in our lives. You know, I had learned, spent four years learning about these things in books and and, 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 I, and I've met with you and I've had coffees with you and lunches with you and it's, boy, is it complex, right? Our journeys with God. So this is a complex psalm for complex people dealing with something that is, is like the soaring truth that, of God's incredible knowledge that he has of you and your life. And, and the, the arc of that complexity in this it involves a, a bit of a transition from starting out uh, not so positive about the concept of God's knowledge of us. The natural, I would say the natural human reaction to be a little bit terrified, if not creeped out, by all that God sees in your life and knows in your life and knows about you. So we start there. We think about that. The psalm is basically saying, as you look at these early verses in it, you've searched me, you know me. You see where I, when I sit, when I rise. You perceive my thoughts even from afar. You discern my going out, my lying down. You're familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely. Might as well be saying, you know, God is looking. Every time you're in, a, in your room and you think you're alone, he's, he's looking through a keyhole. Every time you're in your backyard and you think no one's around, God's looking through a crack in the fence. Your wires are tapped. Your emails are hacked. Hillary Clinton is dealing with uh, almost daily an, a new article being written about emails that the whole world gets to look at now. I wondered if she ever thought all these emails would be looked at. How would you feel if all your emails were released publicly tomorrow? Whoa. I don't know. Makes you kind of think, huh? Like, oh, what's, yeah, oh, there's that coworker, and I wrote to the boss about that. Um, there's that sibling, and I wrote to the other sibling about, you know, you start thinking through, like, whoa, yeah. Texting, yeah, emails. So, look at verse, verse 5 says, you hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. That is not a positive statement. This is the psalmist, this is David grappling with the terrifying nature of God knowing everything. The sense of being of suffocated, being suffocated by God's omniscience and God's awareness of everything in your life. 
Verse 7 says, where can I go to flee from your presence? You get the sense of like, he even says like, you know, basically, maybe I'll go to the darkness. Maybe I'll go somewhere, the darkest possible place. Ah, but God, you're like the light in the darkness. So what good does that do? To, to you, darkness is light. This sort of uh, exas- exasperated, suffocating sense of God can see anything. It's the story of Jonah. If you know in the Bible, Jonah is called to this one place and he, he, he's scared to go there and he, and he also has some, some ethnic, you might say even racism about this people he's sent to. And so he, he goes the other way. He literally looks at a map and goes, there over here, I'm going to go over here. And he gets on a boat and he goes there and the story ensues. But it's this idea that can I, could I maybe get away from God's presence in my life? And he finds out quickly he can't. Uh, if you ever get the chance to fly on an airplane, what's, the, what's your least favorite part about that experience? I heard it. Taking off. Well, there you go. Yeah. I heard, I heard also security, which is where my mind was going. Yeah. Um, security is, is the place where you go and you um, stand in line forever in what can only be described as the walk of shame, right? As people begin to take items of clothing off that you normally don't take off in public and people try to retain some sense of dignity as they are taking their belt off and their shoes off only to, be, to have their possessions scrutinized skeptically and then to have their whole body examined with their hands up and then to be patted down suspiciously, right? It's, uh, yeah, it's like the, um, it's the ego destabilization process of TSA. And uh, I think there's, that's a picture of what this psalm, what's terrifying in this psalm. There's also something, the way the, way the Bible would put it, ever since Adam and Eve, we've been covering We've been trying to keep certain things from being exposed. So you have fig leaves in the story of Adam and Eve and hiding in the story of Adam and Eve. The Bible would say that ever since then, we have a deep urge to stay covered. We have a fear of exposure, and it's not just theoretical. It's not just kind of a theoretical thing we have to get over. It's literally connected to real things in our life. Um, We may feel a sort of a sense of being exposed at TSA. It doesn't mean... It doesn't mean if you feel that way that you actually have a bomb in your suitcase, but it does connect, that fear of exposure does connect to very real things in your life. If each of us, if you dig deep enough, scratch under the surface enough in any of our lives, eventually you'll see that this is not just theoretical. That there are, there are issues in our motivations, there's issues in our behavior, there's things going on in our lives that no one knows about. And we would prefer to keep it that way. And so there's a sense in which in some way, spiritually speaking, in some way towards God and towards others, we're covering. We're desperately covering. We don't like this idea. This is, you, you hem me in completely. I'm trapped. I'm suffocating. Does God know me that well? God knows all my thoughts. That's enough to keep you potentially from praying. Some of you have been there. You might be in that kind of place right now. You might be coming. I mean, there's a sense in which if this is what God and church is about, this sort of like NSA, you know, prowling. 
um, then I think that I just won't start the conversation with this kind of God. I think that I'll stay away from church. I think I'll stay away from God. I think I'll stay away from an authentic connection with this God. The prayer in Psalm 139 by David, though, maps out this transition. The transition from fear to freedom. The transition from being terrorized by being scrutinized to something totally different. Something that that by the end, the psalmist David grabs hold of wholeheartedly and says, it's unbelievable that he gets to this point. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Asking God to check and see if there's an offensive way in me, I think I know what the result of that will be. (laughs) Do you have that little part of you? Like, uh, I don't think it's if. He finds something offensive somewhere, right? It's more of like when. How many seconds does it take him to see it? But how does, how do you, so how do you, if you know that, how do you get to the point of willingly asking God to check and look for the offensive? That's where David comes eventually in this psalm. How does he get there? Well, the truth is we actually have this impulse. We have also, as much as we have the covering impulse, we have the natural impulse that you felt, I'm sure, you may have paved over it with layers of protection, but you, may, you still have it somewhere. You have the desire to have someone in your life who's safe, who can, who can see it all, and you're still together in a journey. And so you'll see a young romantic couple, couple or newlyweds who have so much to share at the end of the day with each other. Right? So much, let me tell you everything. Let me tell you this part. Let me tell you this exciting thing. Let me tell you this embarrassing shameful part because we have a part of us is just looking for that we get kind of cynical about it we kind of give up on it even sometimes because of our experience where people are not safe and yet somewhere deep down it's there that there's somebody could it be god could it be god can god become that safe for you can he have healing scrutiny healing kind of scrutiny? What's that like? Can God become the scrutinizing healer in your life? That's where David comes out. And how does that happen for the Christian? How does that happen on your journey? How do you, how do you get there? How do you know he's going to be safe? How do, you, how do you become convinced? When we look at verse 24, let me show you how. Is when we look at verse 24, the Christian can't help but see Jesus in this verse. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me to the way everlasting. The Christian believes that, that you are being led on the journey towards everlasting life, the way everlasting, that, and that God has probed you deeply and seen everything and has found a way to not find offense in you. What is that way? Well, that's where Jesus comes in. Because Jesus, well, here's, here's another way to put it. Our greatest fear is that, Jesus, that God would look at us and see um, offensive ways in us, and then reject us. That's the greatest fear. That's why we hold off from prayer. That's why we you know, hold off from getting real with people in Christian community. Because it's a fear of rejection if someone actually does look in and scrutinize. So, so Jesus, his journey as the Son of God, was to go through his life, and no one can find an offensive way in him that actually sticks. 
So on the human level and on the, the level with God the Father, no offensive way is found. And yet, what is his end on earth is to experience all the rejection we all fear. So God sends his son. God says, I want a way for there not to be an offensive way found in you when I search you. And the way is, I will provide my one who has no offense. And then he will encounter, he will bear the load, he will hold for you the rejection you fear. Even Pilate, even this, you know, this guy who had no skin in the game, he was just a Roman uh, governor who, um, who was all the evidence and the trial and the scrutiny of Jesus was brought before him, and he says, I see no reason. <laughs> I see nothing here that's sticking. Well, even he saw there was nothing to stick with Jesus, and yet what does he do? He hands him over. There's nothing real stuck on Jesus, and yet he experiences the rejection of humanity and of God the Father. He cries out on the cross for God the Father, and he gets no answer. And it goes dark, and he breathes his last. Why? So that no offense would be found when God looks at you. You don't get to verse 40, 24 out of confidence in yourself. Isn't that freeing? Isn't that incredible? Have you moved from fear to freedom? Can God be your just scrutinized healer? Let me just give one last uh, picture of a friend who's a massage therapist. And in his, there's a couple of things about his school of massage therapy that he explained to me. And one is that in practicing, you know, when they're in school mode back in the day, they would actually have yellow pages. Like, you know, some of you, um, so yellow pages are um, <laughs> this really thick book with phone numbers in it. Okay, so phone numbers are, um, you know, when you have that picture on your phone that pops up, so there's a phone number underneath that. Okay, so the yellow pages... A thick book, ton, thousands of pages, and part of their physical therapy school would be, there'd be like a dime underneath it. And part of it is like to be so sensitive and to know what's deep underneath all those layers that you can feel from the top, you can feel where that dime is. Which to you or me, you wouldn't be able to, is what, how he described it. You might try it at home today, I might be wrong. But, but that, so that's, and then this is the other part of his physical therapy, um, his massage therapy that he described to me, is that it's a particular um, philosophy, a particular method in which the idea is that there's a strong psychosomatic connection and that we store our worst and our most painful moments and actually in specific places um, in our body, in our muscles, in our tendons, in our, in our places. So, so that, um, as he would describe to me, he would, his he had the regular experience of once he identified and found a place in which someone's, really someone's trauma or their stress was, was being stored. And as he worked on that spot, and as he kind of dug in deeper, that, that there would actually be some conversation that would be happening as people would start talking about certain things that were tough, that are traumatic, traumatic sad, grief, whatever. And that there were, this was very common for him is that tears would flow that there would, be, there would be just a sense of just like there is, some, there is a, a deep probing into a place where things are stored that are now getting exposed and there's healing touch. Now, now what is it like to have that kind of masterful touch, to be able to identi identify things buried down deep? I can only imagine what it would be like physically if I had a massage therapist like that and I had it, deep issues that required healing that I was storing in my tissues, I can only imagine how I would regularly and eagerly go back to this masterful therapist. Is that God? Is that, can, you, can you begin to see God with that kind of masterful healing touch? 
Let's pray. Our God of grace, as we consider what can be terrifying, we pray that you make it grace-filled. As we consider uh, being exposed for, um, in many ways, for, for sin, for being sinful, for being imperfect, for being morally falling short of your standards all the time, um, may as we, as we enter into that realm, may we find it to be the realm of grace so that we walk away from prayers of confession about sin and feel like it was a prayer about grace, so that we walk away dealing with issues of brokenness and we feel like it was actually a moment of healing. Reveal yourself to us and help us to know you in this, to have the, not only the deep knowledge, the deep spiritual tissue knowledge of our hearts, but also to have the answer and the healing touch. Help us to trust you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.